We're in. What is going on? And uh, we are back. And when I say back, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, it felt like a century ago. With the Vigor Life Podcast, this is a comeback podcast, and we're going to make it regular again. Uh, because today we have a couple special guests. Uh, some of our neighbors, High Def Physical Therapy, Zach, Mitch. What's going on, guys? What up, what's what happening? up? And um, another special guest that is having a event and a certification here this weekend, which is Dr. Michael Mash. I say doctor because it just sounds more, more uh, official. Ring. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Michael Mash. Um, with uh, the Barbell Rehab Certification, which I'm looking forward to, and we got uh, almost 40, 40 people uh, registered for that. But uh, this is a great time to bring this stuff back because, uh, you know, what are we going to talk about? Well, a bunch of things apart from Barbell Rehab. Um, but I think, you know, we're just going to talk, we're going to talk training and I, I wanted to, uh, which is cool. Cause we have essentially, you know, a lot of physical therapy in a room, right? I'm outnumbered right now. Well, oh, two, man. well really honestly, two physical therapists, but then two trainers. Cause Mitch, this uh, yeah, 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 yeah. isn't a PT. Go. So we let's got, go. we got let's two go. and we got hey, two on two here. Hey, we'll, we'll see what happens when we go two on two. No, nah, but this is cool. Cause I mean, if, if you guys don't know, um, high def or in-house PTs, they have like three clinics in, uh, Seattle. One in Bellevue, one in Seattle, one in Renton, and it's been a just a great relationship. And I think that's the future. Actually, me and Michael were talking about this. Just to, you know, I I, I believe that the future is this integration, um, symbi- symbiotic relationship between physical therapy and training. And what's cool, like we don't ever have to argue. We're all on the same page as far as, you know, um, believing in strength training, believing in training, knowing how. And I hate saying you know the bridge, but just how two the two work hand in hand. Um, and I, I believe that like what should I don't necessarily like saying the word should, but should happen in the future is, you know, more of the training facilities collaborating with physical therapy clinics that they believe in. Right. Or to have a good partnership with and then just bring them in house. I think it's a win win situation for everybody. Um, but actually, let's kind of like riff off of that. I, I, I want to ask you guys, uh, I want to start with you, Michael, too. And your experience and obviously, you know, you're you're uh, teaching and educating a lot about mm-hmm. this. But uh let I, I want to say, you know, what are some things that you see that are struggles and obstacles when it comes to training? But then, you know, uh, what you see also in like physical therapy that would that, what would help bridge the gap? So, number one. So first question is, you know, what are you seeing as far as like, why do people get beat up? Right. Uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of this where not just let's leave the, the part alone of we all believe, you know, people should be exercising, moving you know, training, but once they do, what are the things that get people beat up? You know, knee pain, low back pain, shoulder pain, uh, those issues. And then, you know, the second part would be, what are some obstacles and you, that you, all you guys are seeing when it comes to the rehab of that, right? Because some of the, the and we can kind of dive deeper into this, but some of the things that I'm seeing is when people do get banged up, you know, they're afraid to go back to training because they yep. think the training is, like, ah, you know, it's not for me. I got hurt, so it's not for me. Um, but I also don't see sometimes the approach of the rehab being uh, done well. And not just on the side of the exercises, but the, the, the story, the narrative, the education of the, the client, right? The person that's, that's rehabbing. So those are the two that I kind of want to throw out there. And then we can kind of riff on it because I think they're, they're, they're important things. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me on, Luca. Um, I think it really comes down to the devils in the dosage, right? So we have these people that are like, all right, I want to make a lifestyle change. I want to start training. And then they just go so hard, too much, too fast, too soon. And then they get banged up. And then they'll just like erroneously assume, oh, I got hurt lifting weights. 
free weights are bad for me. Mm. We've all heard it. Barbells are bad for you. Um, they'll just tear you up. But when it really comes down to it, I think it's more of a too, too much, too fast, too soon kind of thing. And we're just blaming the the lift itself, right? How many times have we heard doctors say, don't do deadlifts, they're bad for your back. Don't do squats or don't do, yeah, squats, they're bad for your knees. Well, it really comes down to, did they squat too much, too fast, too soon? You can't test a 1RM if you don't have a physiological foundation, right? And we can't, we don't recommend like AMRAP sets right off the bat. So I think the low hanging fruit first off is people get so gung ho. And I love that. I love that. We're like, hey, I'm making a lifestyle change, but we need to make sure that we guide these folks. And this is not an excuse not to train hard, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. an excuse not to train right. hard. It's just kind of train smarter. So I think the devil's in the dosage, first of all. Um, so that's where I would start with that. And then can you extrapolate on that second question again? So when, yeah, so when people do get hurt, um, you know, or, or what, let's just say even if they don't hurt, get hurt, but you have these nagging pains yeah. that you're like, ah, you know, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z, or I'm just going to lay off exercise for a little bit. And, you know, low back is a, I have a history of, you know, I've had a, I had a really bad back injury 14 years ago. Um, and of course my mentality was like, how do I get back to hundred percent and, 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 and train? But for a lot of folks, it's like, no, I'm just going to avoid these things or maybe I'm going to avoid exercise. And then how does physical therapy and training, you know, get them back the right way? Gotcha. Because again, I, I've seen this whole thing was just like, all right, get me out of pain and I'm done. Yeah. You know, so what obstacles do you see on, on the side of rehab that are happening, you know, uh, so that people not only get back, but they, they have this mentality of like, I want, I want to get back to like being able to do stuff and perform, not just get out of pain. Yeah. Right. So I think you just nailed it right there. I think the focus if we focus on function and focused on the goal versus because when it really comes down to it, people's goal is usually not to get out of pain, right? That's a side effect. The yeah. goal is I want to get back to what's meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. So if we always stay focused on what's meaningful to me, then we can kind of reverse engineer it. And hopefully pain relief comes along the way. So when it comes to like a fit pro and a uh, physical therapist, completely skipping the movement is usually not the route to go unless the movement is not necessary for their goals. Mm -hmm. So if you would have talked to me five years ago, I would have said everybody needs the low bar back squat, barbell bench press and conventional deadlift. Because if you don't do those three very specific exercises, you're like less of a human than the rest of us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then all that does is really pigeonhole people into these variations. What do you do if somebody has shoulder pain with a low bar back squat? Or what do you do if somebody, no matter how many modifications we make, to load, uh, range of motion, tempo, the conventional deadlift just doesn't work for this person. And that's really what opened my eyes and where we've evolved as a brand, Barbell Rehab, over the years, is we realized that it comes down to finding the variation that works for the client, right? As long as you're not a professional powerlifter or you don't have a goal of competing, as if we look as of like uh, from a needs standpoint, you don't need to flat barbell bench press. You don't need to low bar back squat and conventional deadlift, but keeping people in these patterns is going to be one of the best ways to build resilience, build strength, mm -hmm. help them get towards their goals. So let's say somebody tweaked their back doing a uh, conventional deadlift. Can they sumo? Can they trap bar? Can they do dumbbell RDLs? And from an exercise modification standpoint, that's where I think Again, for lack of a better term, bridges the gap, right? Mm -hmm. Because trainers can do this. That trainers can make these modifications. It's hands off. You can say, ah, back's a little bit cranky today. Let's try this modification instead. And where the rehab professional, in my opinion, what we teach in our course is if the fitness professional is un 
able to help somebody's pain with a form or a programming modification, that's when it's probably best to refer mm -hmm. out to the physical therapist. Like that's that. when the that's when the personal trainer should say, "Hey, look, we've tried we've tried to modify your stance on this squat. You're still getting hip pain. We've already tried different bar positions. You're still getting hip pain." Let's get into the physical therapist. And I think that's a healthy balance there mm -hmm. as far as we don't want to over-medicalize. We don't want to put somebody into the medical model for hip pain during squats if literally all it takes is to adjust the foot position. But we also don't encourage, we don't want fitness professionals really digging deep and doing this rehab. So as long as we keep an abundance mindset, there's, there's work for everybody. And I think this physical therapist getting mad at personal trainers and personal trainers getting mad at physical therapists all that hurts is the client. Yep. I kind of ran there. But. No, no, no. I, I like to actually, there's a couple of points that you made that I wanted to uh, piggyback on. And number one is that, you know, when you ask a person, like that, this is the interesting thing, right? Like we we train and, and see a lot of people from really elite athletes to, you know, kids in high school that play sports to somebody who's got to, you know, beat up back to somebody who wants to put on muscle. The, the end of the day, nobody, almost no one that comes to us, unless they're a power lifter, will say like, I need to, you know, be able to back squat or something, right? But but they what they say and want to get stronger, it's like, okay, so you want to be able to play, apply more force. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many different ways can we do that, right? For Through the lower body, through the upper body, through, right? And, it, and of course, I also think that the, the conversation is, you know, people, you know, there's a, there's a um, mindset around lifting too. And if we could kind of dig into the, uh, you know, the threat part of it. Like, for instance, this is a great example of somebody may have no issues with deadlifting, meaning like structurally there's no problem, but they have a past injury. They blow out their back. Right. And it's like there's a threat there. Right. Mm -hmm. they, they grab the barbell. They just feel something. And it's like CNS, you know, yep. down regulates force, get tightens up, you know, and, and people can't push it. So. I think there's a big thing there too that like, and I've seen this on both ends on a trainer and, and the physical therapist side of things, right? Where everything's looking right. It's like, no, no, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And what, what you're doing is you're fighting, I would say the mental side of it, this yep. threat side of it. And then how do you reduce that? Right. And if you have a skill set, then you can go like, Hey, listen, we're going to do the safer variation. Right. And then you can give them, I mean, even like, uh, I actually did this like less than a, than a week ago when we were in Slovenia, but like on a belt squat, um, basically an RDL belt squat, right? Because it's like you take the balance out of it. And they're like, wow, this feels so much better. It's right? empowering, right? Yeah, it's very empowering, right? So, But the thing is, what do they do now? They change the narrative. Like, oh, I can't hinge, right? Mm -hmm. And then you work on that and then you can bring them back and they're, they're, they have less threat because they trust you now, right? So again, it's like always thinking through like what is really the end goal of the person that we're treating and connecting. You made a really good point. Let's connect it to the thing that they want. Oh, I want to pick up my grandson. Oh, like, I want to make sure I get a big contract here this yeah. year, right? Like, okay, let's connect it to that and then make sure that whatever we're doing, we attach it to that story so that we help them achieve the goal. So that, that's one of the things I think that matters. Because I was, same thing, right? You got to deadlift. You got to do this. You got to do that. At the end of the day, like, no exercise is mandatory. Like, yeah. none. Zero. Zilch. Nada, right? Like, um, you can, you know, make a great program with none of this stuff and people get awesome results. So... But number two is this whole idea, which I believe in it more so than ever. And we try to tell this story to, uh, to our members, which is physical therapy is not even like a, it shouldn't even be a reactive thing. It's like, I mean, I, you know, I want to go, I got some stuff like, you know, cause the whole like too, too, uh, too soon, yeah. uh, too much too soon, like right here, you know, this guy yeah, just goes to the track yeah. and it's like, 
I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna be Usain Bolt, you know, and just yep. do crazy. Crazy. Yeah, years, I'm just like, <laughs> dude, my volume is like out of this world. I'm like, damn, why am I Achilles tender? You know, it's like, <laughs> I know the answer, yeah. right? I just don't want to believe it. But then my, my, my thing is like, my back's feeling a little off. Like, man, let me talk to Zach. Let me get in. Uh, you know, let me get in with Tony. It shouldn't even be, you know, uh, if you use physical therapy, great physical therapists will help you perform better and not get injured. And, you know, whether it's, uh, manual therapy or massage or strengthening exercises. Sometimes, honestly, even just the accountability for me, that I know how to do shit. It's like the accountability to do shit, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I schedule the time, I pay, but you know, I'm gonna get in. And, and I think, yeah. and, and not, taking care of it quickly too. That's like Zach's biggest thing. Is like, if you take care of this now, it won't be an issue. Versus if you're like, ah, it's not too bad. I'll just, well, I'll just power through. It's a whisper. I always say the whisper and the scream analogy, right? Like, hey. Stop fucking doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, then you don't do it. And it's like, ah, you know, it's a yeah. scream. Now it's an issue. The scream is like, oh, it's torn, right? So the, I think that this whole, like, arg- it's not even an argument. It's, it's, it's like having a conversation and going like, should you train smart and hard? Or should you, you know, have quality nutrition, if, if, like, uh, attaches to your goals? Like, no, fucking, you should do both, right? right. Should you sleep? Like, no, yeah, these are all. exclusive, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't even be exclusive. And, and I think that, when you get that, that's why I love, you know, even like our relationship of like, we never have conversations around, uh, is this a good thing or like we're on the same page, right? Yep. It, it ends up just being, I'm like a client comes up to us and like, they've been struggling with something for a while. Now, look, I, I even know that if they did some drills that I showed them consistently, it'll probably help them out. Maybe even get rid of the nagging stuff. Mm-hmm. Will they do it? Well, they've proven that no. <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, human nature, I don't do shit either sometimes, right? I'm like, hey, go see the guys. Boom, they get two to three sessions in. Maybe now they'll listen to the physical therapist. Oh, the accountability aspect. The accountability mm-hmm. aspect, and boom, and it happens. So, the, you know, I think that that's really where, where it comes down to, like, to even have this conversation. I know, I know there's still, because there's a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast. I actually think that it's kind of majority coaches. Um, it's to, this, this fear of... If I send you to a physical therapist, then you will spend money there or you have to and then you won't, you know, spend money with me and you're going to stop your service. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the client was like, thank you so much. Right. Because because what are you doing? Like, well, you are caring for that person like you in your mind. You're like, what is the thing that's going to be best for them? That should always be your mindset. Right. I think the trainer is also worried that. Oh, they're going to think I don't, I'm not an expert. I don't uh, know yeah, things, yeah. But, you know? So you try to, they, trainers too often try to sound like the expert when it's like, yeah. you should know where it cuts off and you refer. And out. then go deeper because we see clients all the time who come in that change trainers because their trainer didn't get them into where they needed to be. Like, yeah, my trainer just kept on trying to push me through this. He just really kept on wanting me to get the squat numbers. And, and that's like, goes back to that, that, that point that you're talking about the barrier from someone coming back from an injury between physical therapy and a lot of trainers, I think assume that, yeah, you're just going to get cu- completely shut down. Now they're not going to be able to train where we keep people training the whole time that we're seeing them in PT. And then also, you know, you made a good point and you said a key word, which is a good physical therapist, which I think no physical therapists are necessarily good or bad, but some are empowered to be better than others mm-hmm. with the scenario that they have within their clinic, the equipment, the training, and then like the allowance of time, but like too much too f- too soon, I see that a lot happen on with physical therapists where they go from a clinic with no ability to load, no barbell, no kettlebells, nothing in there. Yeah, yeah. But then they go back to the trainer, and the trainer hasn't talked to the therapist. But the trainer 
doesn't want to back the person's weight way down because they don't want to look like they're getting this person weaker. And then, or the client, maybe if, you know, if you were someone's client, you'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not deadlifting 200. I deadlift 400. You know, I I don't want to back back down to that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like an ego check that people Mm -hmm. have to go through when they come out of injury. And that's where I, I try to talk to people a lot is like, listen, you can't think of this as like, you're going back to training. Like you're retraining your body to be able to train again. And, and you have to, you have to start from a lower foundation. I always tell people about my experiences as well, where like I was doing, I was trying to get my bench press as high as I possibly could. And I got such a bad shoulder tendonitis from pushing through and just not stopping that I eventually was back in the gym, literally dumbbell benching five pound dumbbells. And that was the highest I could go without having pain. Mm -hmm. And I worked myself all the way back up. And I had to learn that lesson myself to be able to help people in that same situation. Um, But it's important to have, you know, and and we're lucky here. And I think it goes back to also at the beginning when you said this is kind of the future of, of healthcare and hopefully the future of physical therapy. We love being inside the gym because we have an automatic close relationship with the trainers. Whereas like, it's so hard when you're separated because it's like the physical therapist can't, there is that gap, right? That my clinic, I can't get you to deadlift up to 200 because I don't even have 200 pounds of, you know, I might not have 200 Mm -hmm. pounds of weight in my clinic. And then you go back to your trainer and you're starting at 250. Now there's a gap between I had you doing a 15 pound kettlebell and your trainer has you doing a 250 pound deadlift. There's a huge delta between those two numbers. And so that's the goal is for trainers and physical therapists to work together to, to lower that delta and then even overlap where maybe you're a hundred pound deadlifting with me, you're a hundred pound deadlifting with your trainer. And then it's a really nice, smooth transition. And what the trainer doesn't realize is that that short term loss where they're thinking, I'm going to lose this client. They're going to physical therapy. They're going to spend their money somewhere else. Really what it's doing is like, and what we tell gym owners when we go in to try to work with them, or we tell trainers is like, our goal is to keep your clients so healthy that they stay training with you. Yep. Cause the problem is if they're working with you and you, and uh, for lack of a better term, they get injured while, you know, like you injure them. That's not a good term. You know, they get injured while they're working with you. They aren't going to be training with you anyway. They're not spending their money because they're not coming into their sessions. So yeah. either way it's a loss, right? Yeah. So, so what we've had really good success with is like, Hey, let's, let's help you actually stay consistent and not cancel two out of your three uh, training sessions each week because you hurt your back on the previous one. Like that doesn't make any sense for you as a trainer either, right? So it's it's, it's crazy because like there's two things that I think, you know, trust and communication, which is, 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 is so interesting because like even when we talk about, you know, training and coaching and physical therapy, I, I really believe that, you know, you have to be good at those things. I, I, I don't know, like you tell me your thoughts around this uh, too, Michael, but it's like, um, you know, we're always it's really easy to talk about X's and O's. X's and O's. I mean, I, I could legitimately, we could go so detailed into coaching cues. Like all these things really, I, I think are important. They're the foundation of what we do, but building trust communication, right. Is so important. And this comes, this is an interesting thing. I, I was um, listening to Harmozi talk about it and I'm like, man, it's so true. Like sales, right. And sales, uh, they say like, how do you, you know, conviction, how much I believe something, right? Like I'm going to transfer conviction, but it's going to be over the bridge of trust, right? So imagine that like, you know, we're having a conversation and you're hurt and I'm, I'm talking to you and I'm like, well, um, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to do these exercises and just uh, lost them already. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, I hope that, um, that like you'd be, you'd be like, what the fuck? Or, or if I'm like, Hey, listen, man, like what we're going to do is we're going to rebuild everything. We're going to do this exercise. It's going to be safe. Like I'm so convinced into it that you st- like, and we have trust. You're like, I fucking believe. 
Now, there's so much stuff about, you know, somatic response and like the, the nervous system. And like, if you believe that I can help you out, like you down ready, you can like, you know, your your fight or flight, right? right? And, and now just through that, like you're going to be able to do things better, right? You're not going to have maybe some back tightness that you had or some other you know, shit. Like this right. is real, real stuff that I, I don't see talked about in the PT or and or coaching work, to be honest with you, right? Like in, in um, an interesting example is like I've done videos on my IG about with, with this is like Ed Cohen used to do this, this trick, right? Where somebody... Um, usually it happens to, to, to women a lot of times where like they'll be, uh, give an example, like they'll pull 225, smoke it, right? Smoke a 225 travel bar deadlift, for instance, right? Then they'll go 230, okay? And it pins them on the floor, right? Now, regardless of, you know, women can do more reps, a higher percentage of their 1RM, you know, like I know they can hit 230. But something like, usually it's like there's enough force to where their brain's like, oh my God, it's a lot of force, right? And it just shuts them down and i'll go like hey listen i got you right and i'll put my hands on a bar at the bottom and i'm like i got you go 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 and like i don't even like i don't lift it like i'm just but mentally they're they're like oh he, luca's got me so no matter Safe. what he's got me right so the threat goes away and now now they're free to like i'm going to produce as much force as i can but i'm holding on to the bars but then i'm just letting go and they smoke 230 right yep. and that is a great example of nervous system safety trust communication and how it influences coaching right and and it's a thing like i'm like how much are you you know studying that like how like this is weird because it's important yeah right like and, and it's like i don't think people talk enough about like why is sales and marketing make you a better coach you know and because it's sales and marketing and, and fitness are still like one of those still oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna sell them high ticket sales like oh my i'm, I'm sleazy and it's like no like sales is persuasion right and again, if you believe that sales is a, you know, is transferring conviction over a bridge of trust, isn't that a thing that we all want? And, and th this is why, you know, I'm like, sometimes I'll, you know, talk to experts and they kind of, and I'm like, listen, let's talk about this, right? Because the thing that you know, you'll be able to better apply if you have this other part. Right. And, and you, you know, and you don't, and it's, and it's like, when you see somebody in the clinic, same thing, how fast can I, you know, get trust and then how fast can I convince you and make you believe that you'll get better? Right. Cause when, cause when you do that, yeah. I mean, you're already like, you're, you're already winning. That's a quick win. And, and, um, so I'm actually wanted to, to add, you know, what is your experience with that? Yeah. You know what I mean? As far as, um, do, you know, cause if you do all the, you know, I, I've seen trainers, especially early on in their career, like they go, they're smart. They know the X's and no, and they go through the checklist and it's like, what the fuck? It's not working. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. But, but they never looked at that side of like, how am I communicating this? How safe am I making them feel? You know, how am I reducing threat inputs for them? Um, like, I, I just wanted to have your yeah. experience with this, right? Well, it's like you're, you're setting me up because this is what our entire course is about. Because we integrated so, all of the threat perception stuff into the barbell lifts. Because it's huge. Take somebody that has like chronic low back pain, low level, nothing serious. If you can coach them on day one into some sort of comfortable hip hinge variation, sometimes I'll just take a trap bar and put a 10-pound bumper on each side. So it's like, what, 65, 70 pounds? If you can get them to comfortably lift that on day one, you can look that person in the face and say, hey, look, you just lifted 70 pounds off of the ground. Your back is not as broken as you think it is. Mm. And I'm telling you that one set 
can completely change somebody's entire outlook on their on their body. Is it enough to cause any kind of robust physiological adaptation? No, it's five reps. But it sure as hell is enough to cause a robust psychological adaptation. Open up that door where now the person is like, yeah, maybe my back is not as broken as I thought. And so our words really, really matter. And to sort of tie together what you two said, when somebody comes off of an injury, now they're back with a trainer and you know that you have to restart at a low load that this person is probably going to be like, oh, shit, I don't want to do that. I'm a I'm a 400 pound plus deadlifter. I don't want to start at 135, 225. I do have a couple tips for there. And it comes with mm. it comes with framing it. When somebody says that, I say, first off, hey, look, I'm on your I'm on your team. I want to help you to be able to lift more than what you did before. So I frame it that way. But I said, I'm just asking you to trust me because we're going to start low and slow. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, what's a training career? I want I want to help somebody train until forever, mm-hmm. into their 80s and 90s. Right. And if you can get the person to zone out and say, hey, look, you're going to be training hopefully for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Bear with me here for the next two to three weeks as we work on building work capacity because it's going to set you up in the end. So that's one, I frame it. And number two, push harder on the things that don't hurt. If somebody has mm. a bum shoulder, nine times out of 10, it doesn't really affect the hinge pattern unless it's a specific part of the shoulder. But nine times out of 10, if somebody has pain with bench pressing, they're good to hinge. So let's let's run a cycle where we're pushing the deadlift a little bit or pushing whatever hinge variation they're doing so that they don't feel weak and broken. So those are my two ways that I really can encourage people to train hard. It's just a sore shoulder, right? Yeah. You, you don't need to completely shut everything I think down. that's I, the, the second one is the one that I really want to uh, kind of like piggyback on because, I mean, this this is, again, I think, um, I don't want to say everybody, but it, it is a theme a lot of times of like when, you know, two with doctors where you go in and it's like, here's all the stuff you can't do, right? And, mm. and it creates a focus, right? I'm focusing on everything that you can't do. Whereas actually I'll, I'll take my, you know, I didn't deadlift for two years when I, when I hurt my back and it was, my back injury was through a lot of, you know, from sport, from training, combination, it's bad, bad though, from oral nerve entrapment. I mean, this leg just didn't work. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, I mean, you really have to go, you know, apart from the initial, I probably like month where, you know, month plus where I really couldn't do much except for some upper body stuff. Um, you know, it's like, all right, what do I do now? So the hip thrust for me was uh it, it put it a therapeutic right because it was like one i could push it and of course i wanted to know what i can do so you know i built that up and like now my, like, my hip thrust is like one of the strongest lifts right but it, but it was one of those things what can i do oh i can hip thrust i can single leg do so i can do single leg stuff great let me do that i can do pretty much everything upper body more or less right so it was like okay great let me push these things and really really improve them and now, you know, even though there's all these things I can't do and I'm, I'm you know, and I've, I'm struggling and rehabbing and, you know, obviously not the, the best time of my life, but giving me that focus of what I can do alters everything, right? To, you know, even to a degree, and I know I'm kind of shifting a little bit, but I think this is an important conversation for anybody that's ever been hurt or injured or, you know, um, like now sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, well, I'm going to shoot more videos or I'm going to do more like I'm going to do, here's the, these things that I can do right in life. Uh, I can't train as much, so I'm going to spend this time doing, you know, doing something. Right. And I, I think that, that that's just a mindset, right? It's, it's a, it's a perspective and perspective can, can change your life because again, if, if you're like, Hey, look, like, you know, uh, you were saying one of your weak links is, you know, hamstrings. Well, we can build your hamstrings and glutes up 
but we might not be able to hinge right now as much, right? We're going to go lighter there, and we're going to rebuild it. But, man, we can hip thrust. We can do, uh, you know, our hamstring slides, and we can do these and those, and you know, right? And all of a sudden, we create a tension, and it's like we're going to bring these up so at the end, you're going to end up getting stronger. Yep. And it's like, how does that sound to you? Yeah, that sounds great. All right, let's rock and roll, right? And, again, it, it comes back to, like, it, it's so interesting that um, as much as, like, I love geeking out about exercises and vectors of force production right like when the the truth is that i find that with most clients we use you know maybe five to ten percent of our knowledge right um but but you're but i feel like you're always using more like uh you know you should be using 80 90 percent of your knowledge on the communication side of things right and and what's interesting is that how much you know I always try to do this when we had the elite effort event, you know, weeks ago here. I was like, I raise your hand if you practice. Because we had these 12 different um, coaching exercises, coaching as far as, you know, listening skills. And I was like, how, how often do you practice this? You know, I was like, raise your hand. Like nobody raises their hand. How often do you practice it uh, acknowledging and validating? No hands go up. And I'm like, how often do you use this? And I was like, well, every day, every day. So you're... So you're telling yeah. me every day when you play the game, you know, I'm going to obviously create a basketball analogy because that that's my world. But like, it, it's like, so every day you're going to take that jumper and that layup, but you don't practice it at all. And then you're upset that it's not good. It's like, right. it's mind blowing, you know, and you can see the coaches yeah. just go like, I'm like, you use this skill more than necessarily the skill of a new exercise, right? And you don't practice it at all. How are you going to get better, you know, at your left-handed layup when you don't practice the left-handed layup? It's like you're always testing it, but never practicing. Exactly. You're just always trying to express it, but you can't, can't yeah, express it without exactly. Part. You're one for ten shooting your threes with your left hand. Okay, zero practice. You come back the next time you shoot one for ten, you're surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. it's going to keep being one for ten. Maybe you'll get a lucky two for ten, but like you're you haven't brought your skill level up. In in I feel like. Um, you know, I'm going to go to this Danny Meyer analogy of uh, have you guys have you guys heard the the, the 51ers analogy, mm-hmm. right? So so I like I'm a big fan of Danny Meyer, like one of the greatest restaurateurs of our time. If you if you haven't if you don't know him, it's uh you'll know him because he started Shake Shack. But be- before Shake Shack, he had like 25 James Beard Award yeah. restaurants. Um, the be- one of the best business books ever to me is uh, Setting the Table. He's a bo- he's a book that he wrote. But it's, you know, he, he talks about 51ers and, he, you know, obviously the service industry is like, okay, if you got 100 points, if you know every technical aspect of, in, in this case, training, right, program design, coaching, cues, uh, you know, uh, everything on the side of the X's and O's, right, you get 49 points out of 100. But 51 points out of 100 is... Empathy, compassion, communication, uh, teamwork, you know, growth, meaning you're constantly learning. And he calls it a, a enlightened hospitality. And, and he says something like, I'm looking for people with a hospitality reflex. Okay, which it, it's um, think of a reflex like something falls to the ground and you're like, oh, shit, right? Hospitality reflex is where you, you, you are, uh, your reflex is to serve. Okay, your reflex is to listen, is to care, is to, right? So, and, and he talks about like the 49 you can teach anybody, right? You could come in and, and be a client here and go like, man, I really want to be in the industry. I'm like, I got you. Like if you're a sponge, all you, if you want it and you want to learn and you're willing to like, I can teach you the 49. The 51 is difficult to teach, right? And so 
I believe that this industry, you know, the people that are the most successful do have some of that hospitality reflex, right? Sure. Because, and, and again, those are also skills though, like listening, validating. Right now, I, the, my, my favorite analogy of this would be like, we could all start sprinting, you know, for the rest of our lives and we'll really improve our speed, but we'll never be the same boat, right? All right, all right. So I, I feel like the, and on that side of things, it's the same. Like there's just people that have this natural hospitality reflex, charisma, you know, and, and their best will be better than your best. But how much you can improve that is insane. It's, it's, it's you can improve it for the rest of your life where physical capabilities you can't, right? right. And so that 51 side, one, I, I do believe that like, you know, if you have a business, if you're, in, I, I believe that if you're in physical therapy or in coaching, you should look for the 51ers mm -hmm. straight up. Like you will be more successful. You're gonna have a more successful business. Um, same thing in a coaching space. And you can, you can, t I would rather have somebody I have to teach the 49, but they have the 51 than have somebody that's so insanely amazing at the 49, but they're like kind of a shithead, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's they're not going to be as good of a coach, period. Well, and, and Michael probably knows this too. And this is where we talk to a lot of physical therapists and our physical therapists when our company is like, this is where it's failed. It's like, you can have as much evidence-based research for treatment and all this stuff, and, and therapists hate to hear it, but it's like the number one predictor of people getting better in physical therapy is therapeutic alliance. Yeah. And therapeutic alliance is all it is is how well do you like your therapist and how well do you connect with them? Mm. And that's where people are like, well, manual therapy doesn't work, and you do this massage and all this like this, this. But it's like that stuff builds that connection, the touch. It builds therapeutic alliance. So, so I'm all for it. And and we talk to our therapists about this too. Is like, if someone comes in and asking for your help, your job is to transfer that conviction over a bridge of trust. You have to. You can build trust by by exhibiting knowledge. But the only way you can you can transfer that conviction is if you have that ability to connect with that person and tell them where you know where you see them going and how the rehab process is going to play out. Because um, a lot of PTs just leave people in the ether, right? It's like you come in for a visit, and then the, you know they're like, yeah, you know, just start coming in two times a week, and they're like, well, for how long? And like, what does this look like? And like, yeah. what is the plan here, right? Like, no, just keep on coming back, and I'll tell you when to stop. That doesn't work for people, right? Like, you've got to you got to create that, and and a lot of that is the hospitality. It's like making people feel welcome, making feel mm. people feel comfortable in the clinic, and being able to be likable in the clinic. That's a tough skill to teach Ooh, somebody is being you know likable. You just you just threw me an alley oop right there. <laughs> All right, so. Because I think this is a good segue because I think it does matter. And this, this will talk on a point, something that we talked about a little earlier, but, you know, um, sharing value, creating content, things of that nature. But back to that, the analogy of the 51 to 49, you know, it, it basically, you know, Danny Meyer says it's, it's kind of like uh, a moth to a light, a moth to a flame. Right. So imagine that people that do, let's say, you know, you're um, we were talking about like big PT clinics buying out other clinics. It's happening a lot right now. Right. And they have crazy amounts of like the budget that they have to spend because of VC investors is absurd. Right. Like no small business can even I mean, you can't you can't even fathom those numbers where people are spending like millions a month on just, you know, one one segment of like on Facebook or on Google yeah. or whatever. Right. And but this is to me, that's how I, I look at it. Right. They have a bright light, okay? So the moth will come to the light, but then the light is cold, okay? Mm. But the thing is, what keeps the moth there is the, the warmth. It att it's attracted by the light, but what keeps it there is the warmth. Ah. And the warmth is the 51. 
And to me, this is the thing. This is the difference too. Like now you could also be a small business where it's like you're attracting, you know, you got referrals from doctors, you got this, that, the other, but then you don't have this capability to make people feel safe and trust it and trust you and just a good experience. Right. Like in, so I think this is, so there, there's that side. Now there's the other side. Cause I think you need both. Right. And how many times have you guys heard from trainers, from PTs go like, we need more leads. <laughs> I mean, this is like the, the number one thing in, in kind of almost any business. Like we need more leads, which I, I think I disagree. Cause I think a lot of times it's more than a leads problem, but the way that you do that and the way that you build trust also before people see you is by building positioning and authority, right? By, by creating, whether that's social media, email, you know, blogging. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but Michael was mentioning that like a lot of people that come to these certifications are sometimes first time, like, right. People that like have never interacted with the brand now. Mm -hmm. And some of it means, the name is good, this, that, the other, but I'm sure that like they watch your videos or oh, yeah. right. And they go like, damn, okay. Like this, I resonate this, with yeah, that, they, yeah. You, they yeah. resonate with what you're saying, how you're saying it. Uh, you're delivering value and enough, you know, to where if somebody watches maybe like three, four, you know, they, they go through and they go three, four videos. Like, man, like I, I don't really know a lot of this, but this is really good. I think two days of this is going to really help me become a better coach. Right. Yeah. So Again, like, and you, you guys' thought process on this, um, but, you know, the reason why uh, so many coaches and PTs, they're like, well, I don't need to do things like content. I'm, I'm like, listen, what everybody will say, like, why did you get into the industry? Like, I want to help people get out of pain. OK, I want to help people achieve their results and make an impact, and blah, blah, blah. Right. If that is true, like, would you do you not want to spend and invest some time in your energy of sharing your knowledge but then why you sleep hundreds of people watch it or thousands or tens of thousands or whatever, you know, I mean, at the beginning it's less, but still I can only, I still think face to face is the best. Um, but I can only do so much of it. Right. But it's like, if I can spend 20 minutes in a day or 30 minutes in a day, like shooting something on a video or saying on a podcast that I know I'm an expert in this, in, in this, and I'm sharing it with somebody that when they hear it or see it, if they do it, it'll help them. It'll help their life. It'll help their back. It'll help their, you know, nutrition, but then when I go to sleep, there's still going to be 10, 50, 100, 100, 1,000 people that watch it. Like if that's if you really want to impact more people, then then why would you not do that? Yeah, and right. it helps by the time they come and see you. Right. I mean, like and you guys, you guys see that, like a lot of times folks come in here and be like, oh, man, I watch your videos all the time. Yeah. Right. Like, well, you don't it, have to create that buy in anymore. It's no, already been. The, exactly. You know, the framework's exactly. been laid. Yeah. And it's and it's like, you know, um, Joey Coleman talks about this and never lose a customer again. Like. First step of marketing is uh, uh, the first step of customer experience is your marketing, right? That's step one, because imagine being in like this is <laughs> I think this is a great point. How many times has a marketing company tried to, you know, go like, hey, let us market for you? Yeah. I'm like, man, I've never heard of you. Your marketing sucks, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's, it's like Perry Belcher talks you don't about have any followers. Like, <laughs> yeah, per, you know, Perry it's Belcher is like, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> right. So, but it's like, they're like, you know, they're like, oh, man, we see you all the time. Like, yeah, that's good marketing. Right. So. That means that, like, if I don't see you and know you and you're telling me you're going to market for me, fuck, I, I haven't even heard of you. Right. Right? It's like so, when people hit you up on social media, they're like, let me grow your social media platform. You look at I'm them like, it's wild, right? But it's but it's like the, the, I, I like this conversation because um, I do I feel like, look, I, I truly and this is the book that I'm writing, right? Like, I think the three foundational C's in a quality business. And I think both of them, right. Whether it's physical therapy or, 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 training is coaching, 
right? The delivery of our service and in customer experience and in the culture, right? Um, and in PT, I think sometimes people are like, ah, there's no culture in PT, but you can create no, it. For sure. You can't, you absolutely, yeah. yeah. You, you got actually, you guys are doing a we're great job, I think, it. yeah. And you, you absolutely can, right? And you should. But there, but then there's this other side of it, which is like, you'd be crazy, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I would say fortunately or unfortunately, you know, businesses live and die by sales, which means they also need marketing. And yes, if you do a great job, I think the product has to be great. You know, you're going to get um, referrals and word of mouth, which is awesome. But uh, it's also the reason why uh, I, I, I promise you I'll loop everything back in. You know, you guys, you guys know, know I have to start bearing <laughs> off, but it's just like that. Um, it was a great conversation all in podcast as far as like, you know, Kim Kardashian going into like uh, venture capital stuff, right? Her own equity firm. And, you know, these guys that are the most successful VCs of all time were like, yeah, it's a super smart idea because they because she has what? Distribution, right? Mm. And then who's, you know, the second the second most followed person on the planet, planet is Kim Kardashian, by the way. Who's number one? The Rock, maybe? Nah, Mr. Beast. Oh, really? What? Mr. Beast, right? And, like, you guys know what Mr. Beast just did, right? So, so you know Mr. Beast. YouTuber? Oh, wow. This, this, well, he's this the number dope. one YouTuber out there. He's the number one YouTuber in the world, right? No way. He does silly He's like videos, 24, 25 years old. Oh Dude, you got to look into this shit because it's, it's absolutely bananas. But he, I mean, obviously he makes uh, a lot of money through YouTube, but then he has a whole YouTube channel that every, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars that it makes goes into food banks and giving free food to different city, uh, cities through food banks. It's actually, he's absolutely amazing yeah. um, on, on that front. But then what he did was during the pandemic was like, all right, look, I'm going to open a Mr. Beast Burger, but it'll be virtual. So if you're a restaurant and you want to sell Mr. Beast Burgers, let us know. We'll send you the ingredients, the menu, and we'll put you on a thing, right? Launch with like, don't quote me on this, but like 1,500 restaurants. And then open 50 a week virtually, right? They just did um, the first physical location opening in a Mall of Americas in Minnesota. Oh, I saw that video. All How many people, people showed up? Like 20,000. No, like, no, it was I, I, like I might be off here, but it's like, 50 to 100 000. it was yeah. the it was the biggest opening of any basically restaurant ever in the history of restaurants right the whole mall was shoulder I mean, to shoulder i mean people there are like how is this possible this many people showed up he's he created a uh, an organic like chocolate bar sold out the whole time it's in all stores so but the thing is is like is mr beast like a health nut or you know not necessarily but like he has absolutely absurd distribution with a fan base right in yep. So th this is my point. And, you know, if anybody that's listening is going like, hold up, how is this helping me fucking like, you know, feel, not feel my low back? And I'm and, <laughs> and Just like, wait. I promise you, like it, it is. No, because it is all connected, because what it says is that like as a business, right, as a, and remember, if you're a one, if you're a person that doesn't have a gym or a clinic, you're, you're still a you ink, you're your business. Right. If you build distribution, like you now have a channel for the product, like the product and service has to be good, yeah. right? It's like pre prerequisite, it has to be good or great, right? But distribution allows you to reach people and it's and, and it's one of those things that's become harder to do. And, but but you can do it with consistency of, you know, building relationship and adding value online to the marketplace, right? And so, sure. and here, here's how this helps because that person, I pro like, and you guys know, you've, you've experienced it. Like I certainly have experienced this where, people come in and they're so bought into what you do because they've consumed a lot of your content, right? And they, they feel like they know you. They listen to your mm -hmm. podcast, right? Like you, they're, they're, they meet you and they're like, dude, I know you, right? And 
the thing is, is that their threat, like basically you're taking out five steps maybe, right? Of yeah. building trust, rapport, all these different things. That now, so they, it's basically, you can get quicker results. Does it automatically and it scales automatically? Yes, 100%. And it's like, you will get quicker results than somebody that has the same knowledge on the technical aspect side of things, but they won't necessarily apply it or believe it as much or trust you as much. And so because of that, like we loop around and we're like, and that's why you should, you know, it's like, hold up, you should do content so you, like, other people's backs hurt less. But I mean, I, I just hope that I put the puzzle piece together, why I believe in this so much, um, be, because I, you know, I'm so fired up about helping others, like I said, on the fitness side, but on the other side, like I, I really want to help coaches and, and people in, I would say, this business, the wellness business. To reach more people and do better like that's that's what we want to do and i see great practitioners not get as good of a result because they're missing those two pieces right that that like communication trust piece and you know how it uh connects to like hey deliver content right so hopefully when people are listening to this you're kind of feeling a little punch in your gut and, and it well i'll go stuff. just a little bit further with that too because you know like what the goldman sachs you know, 10k business they say and, and i love the quote and it stuck with me was you know, they said most businesses die of indigestion and not starvation and that's like and i think the reason why they die of indigestion is like it's not a leads problem for a lot of people right like some people it's a leads problem but for other people it's, it's not a leads problem it's a keeping leads problem and then also turning those people into trusted customers that tell other people about what you're doing. Like the amount of word of mouth referrals, it, like I went, I, I had to go down in my amount of visits in the past, like two months, I'm ramping back up to where I saw like maybe three times the amount of people that I normally see last week. And it's just expanding so quickly that I can't even stop it because, and, and not to say like I'm better than someone else, but I, I really work on creating connections with people. And that leads to like in the first or second visit, people are trying to send me their mom, their their sister, their friend that they golf with. And like the, the leads just start coming in like that. And so if you don't have that connection piece and you can't show somebody a plan and you can't create trust and you can't transfer conviction over the bridge of, of trust, trust yeah. uh, then you know, your business will fail and it'll die of indigestion because you'll be servicing the amount of clients that you can get coming in the front end, but people are canceling and leaving and your churn is so fast that you can't hold on to it. Well, well that's yeah. my question for, for you two is, you know, we've seen practitioners who, you know, they know what to do and they have the knowledge, but it doesn't seem like they can transfer that conviction because they're not confident in their own skills. And you see like they're just not able to create that buy-in how how did you guys build that in yourselves and how do you recommend people build that confidence in their skills and and being able to transfer it and talk about it to, mm. to patients and clients yep i will give you the 100 percent honest answer and i think if you talk to anybody else who is making successes they will give you something similar i just started to play the character that i wanted to be well, i just great said, man that's a, yeah that's a great answer i um this I think we talked. Yeah, we we talked about this on on the last podcast, the identity thing. Yeah, because that's what Mike shift. was really saying, right? It's like, if okay, what would the person that I want that, that I want to become do? Yeah, right? just ask your future self of what, and then it'll guide you. That's 
we could hold down. We could go yeah. a rabbit hole. I, like these gut feelings. If you're in tune with where you want to be, I think your gut feelings can help direct you to become that person. And that's what happened for me because I completely made a 180. I in 2019 I was working in a clinic in a hospital outpatient clinic, and now I'm teaching these seminars across the country and in, in like in Italy too. We just had our first like international seminar in March, and it was just this unrelenting desire to help people. And the unfortunate thing I think about the people, I want to speak directly to the, the natural 51ers out there, mm-hmm. the ones that naturally can connect with people. And I'm going to take it so far that I think you have an ethical responsibility. Agreed. 100%. Yes, agreed. To create content and to help as many people as possible. You have an ethical responsibility. But the unfortunate thing is, I think a lot of the people that are innate 51ers like kind of get icky with marketing. They're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't want... No, you yeah, have yeah, an ethical yeah. responsibility. I'm glad that, you, that you, you brought that up because... Um, but I, let me not interrupt you. Yeah, no, well, and what I'll say as quick is, you know, the problem with a lot of physical therapists that I see, and not that it's a huge problem, but a lot of them are, you know, they're pretty like under, under the radar type people. And the, the natural 51ers a lot of times think they need the whole 49 to start teaching but you don't need the whole 49. I mean, it's, it comes back to the imposter syndrome, right? Like, yep. and how do you, to me, it's like what, I, you know, I like to think in frameworks and formulas as far as how do you fix that? You know, I mentioned it before. It's like competence plus courage, right? Because the, the more you build your skill, you are going to feel more confident, 100%. Mm-hmm. But then there's, the, but then it's that part where like courage is like, my God, I've never done a live, right? Like I've never talked in front of, like you're going to, you're going to have to lean into the uncomfortable shit because that's what I think that a lot of times 51ers are like, who am I to, you know, yep, or, yeah. you know, who am I to be able to do this? And like, man, who are you not to? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's in fitness, especially, I think there's this thing that, um, man, and I get like in, in our mastermind, like people literally hit me up and go, man, I was going to put out this video, but then I realized that, you know, Brett Contreras did something about that. I'm like, bro, like there's one trillion people that have, like fucking who cares? You're you, like, you ha- like, listen, yeah. this is who you're talking to. Like you are at a coffee shop, right? This is, this is the way that I imagine doing pretty much mo- most of my content, right? Mitch came to me. Mitch is like, listen, man, like I'm struggling with this. I'm in a coffee shop. I'm, he's drinking a coffee. I'm drinking my C4. <laughs> this is a very regular daily thing. Yeah, and I'm like, listen, Mitch, right? But I'm like, hey, you, Right. So I'm talking to, this is who you're talking to. Nobody else. You're talking to your mom, your, your, your friend, whatever, whatever, you know, your audience is. But it's like the one thing, the one person. And that's how you have to envision it. Because as soon as you start going like, you know, this is where I think blinders help, right? You have to be able to, I think you have to be good yeah. at transitioning. You know, I said, uh, my really good friend, uh, John Berardi said, one of life's biggest skills is transitioning. Tra- and, and what I mean by transitioning is this. I go from work. I'm super zoned in on work. I get home, whoosah, I walk into the door. I'm a dad, right? Like, for instance, in, in in case, or I go here and I'm this way and then I transition to being that way. I'm super high up and then I'm going to calm down. Like, yeah. it's a skill set, transitions. I feel like you have to be able to transition to, like, blinders on, right? Blinders on is, like, shut out the noise. Who gives a fuck about the comment and the people negative commenting yeah. on you? Uh, you know, ha, 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 like that. Right. And it's never going to be a person that's doing something courageous. Right. The person that's laughing at you, that's negative comment is the person that doesn't have courage and sometimes, you know, gets triggered for some reason. So you have to and you have to be like, listen, you're not you're you're talking to your audience. And do you know how many times I've heard somebody go like, tell me that something that I said that maybe 
I don't know, like I was just talking to Bill Hartman about, and then like I made a video about it, and they're like, oh, this really resonated with me. But I'm like, you follow Bill? I'm like, yeah, I do. I didn't resonate. I don't know. For some reason, they heard me, and I. It doesn't matter, right? There, even if it's one person that you convince something, you're winning. And the thing is that every time you do it, you you know, it's like uh, you're slaying the dragon. As as uh, why am I uh, blanking on the name? Come on, turning pro, the war of art. Stephen Pressfield, oh, right? Yeah, Stephen yeah. Pressfield, right? But it's like you're, you're slaying the dragon, right? Like you shoot a live video and it's like, and it was icky and you said like a lot and you did it mm, a lot. And, yeah. But you know what? But you did it, right? You did it. And, the next, and you watch yourself, you cringe a little bit and yeah. you're like, man, okay. Really How many f- people don't even do it? Yeah, correct. Like majority, <laughs> yeah. like, not, like most people never do it. And if you, I mean, if you want to laugh, I always tell people, go back 13 years, 14 years, watch some of my YouTube videos. I mean, it's like same, fucking hilarious. I mean, same I mean, hilarious. It's just like, I'm just like this Eastern European, like, ah, watch me lift weight. You know, like I'm not, because I was uncomfortable and like, edu- even though I knew my shit, like I was uncomfortable about it, ed- but I, but I started getting better and, you know, saying more and, and now people are like, you're a natural. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, 10,000 videos later right. and I don't know how many speaking engagements, like you got to practice it. You got and the thing is, every time I did it and you post it, you got to be courageous enough to put it out there. Right. And and so I, I you know, I completely agree with Michael was saying, like, man, you, honestly, like, who do you want to become? What would that person do? You know, what, what, if you want to be influential, not necessarily influencer, but just influential in, in the space that you're in. Would that person share their knowledge and go on social media and do a podcast or be on, like whatever channel you want to go through? I don't care about that. But it's more about the Yes, they would. Okay, great. Then start. And then like if you're not doing anything, do it once a week. You know, if, if you're doing it once a week, then go to two times a week. Right. Like right. and it's just like everything that we preach, progressive overload, not too much, too fast. Right. You, like don't jump the gun. That's what you got to do in this sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much it. Yeah, um, more than just exercise. And exa- exactly. Right. It's just it's just the way that you I, I think that you do it. So it really I mean. I feel like this conversation is twofold, right? Because honestly, anybody that's listening to it, it's the same thing, right? I think it's the same thing. Like if people apply this into their lives, whether it's with training or achieving a goal, um, they're they're gonna get there. But um, we're still good on time, right? It's two fifteen. Oh yeah, we're good. Oh yeah, we're good. We're good. We got at least another 15, 20 minutes because. Um, text Clay, and give him fifteen. See, this is how we work. Move, move. Last time uh, we were in the podcast yeah. booth with Luca, you yeah, were about late. 45 minutes over and you were late to the so, next thing. Oh, really? oh, yeah. Zach is like, by the way, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta, like, I feel like we could I just get, keep going. Oh, yeah, ab- oh, absolutely. Well, no, no, but it, stop. I mean, this might have to become a regular thing. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who like looks at my watch when, when I'm, when other people are late and I start getting nervous and I start sweating a little bit because I'm like, I, I like to be places 30 minutes early. <laughs> me, me, and I'm, I'm on on time <laughs> on time slash but i mean the thing is you know i the, this is what i love about conversation though because it naturally brings out you know when you're doing this um and, and this is another really really good point by the way okay um for example right now there are a lot of uh and this will maybe counter some some of the things that we're talking about just a little bit but how many people right now are are, are teaching courses on how to get rich I mean, a, a lot, right? yeah, like everyone. a lot more, a lot more people than actually are rich, right? Yeah. So they get rich by teaching. And yeah. Correct, yeah. So, and, and so, so now you got this this whole thing about, well, maybe like, if you have the knowledge, okay, that's great, but the person that I'm gonna listen to, right, 
is like, what's well, the proof is that you've done it, okay? And done it might be like, oh, you've got tons of client, you know, client success stories. Like, oh, you've built a successful business. Um, you've invested successfully and made millions. Whatever it may be, like making sure that the knowledge also matches, I would say, the, the real life example, right? Because, you know, this is going to be extreme, but, you know, guy goes like, oh, you should be investing your money here. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you're kind of broke. You know, I'm going to listen to you or Warren Buffett. Right. Oh, but Warren Buffett should have done. I'm like, but Warren Buffett has the example, right? Like he, right, and he's made probably I don't know how many people like extremely rich, except from you know, on top of himself being rich, right? Same thing with you know on a training space. I don't just look at like is the the, the coach in shape, right? I, I think that that's one factor. I, I don't think is as important in a sense of like that you have to be the most fit shredded person on the planet to be a great coach. I don't I don't believe that. Uh, I do think that you should be practicing what you preach 100 percent, right. but it's like uh you know that saying like where are, where are the clients yachts you ever heard of that right like it's like hey look at my yacht I'm like where's your clients yachts yeah. right did you did you get your clients to fuck like did you make right your there. clients successful and get them yachts so to me to me i'm like when you create the content right i feel like you gotta be living this stuff though man like it, because people will see that yeah. right people will see that and that I, I think that's the whole like you know identity part of it, right? It's like is is it matching? Like, and you know, Gary Vee does a good job of explaining. Like, look, man, just document. You know, you don't have to create, just document stuff. Um, and I I love that part of it because it's like, well, I I tell our you know business coaching clients, I go, I'm like, what are you doing every day? Okay, the struggles that you're helping people solve, just talk about that. Yeah. You're already doing it. like you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to because people go like, oh man, what? type of content should I create? And I'm like, look, there's buckets and frameworks and all that stuff. But I'm like, really, the simplest way to do it is all the people that you train, what are their problems? What problems are you helping them solve, right? How are you creating like micro content for little tidbits of problems that you're helping them solve? Do that every day because you don't have to, you don't have to make shit up. You just actually talk about the stuff, you know, like, oh, how do I go viral? I'm like, no, no, don't, don't, don't work on going viral. Fucking yeah. work on solving problems, right? Like that's all you should be doing. And and in that way, guess what? There's there's proof in like in the pudding. You're you're teaching knowledge that you're actually applying, right? And so, I do feel like that's very important because we have gotten into, you know, the the world of um, is man, this, I, I forgot where I heard this, but it was uh, I think it was like when Patrick Bet Davis podcast, but he said, to you know, uh, they said in China they ask kids what they want to be, and they say engineers, astronauts, this, that, the other. In America, majority, the majority, I think it was like over 50% of people said they want to be a YouTuber. Yeah, it's, right? it's getting high up there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and like, and look, not to, again, do I, I'm obviously for content creation because like I do a lot of it, right? But to me, it's almost like, you know, real, like real, do real things in real life. Yeah. You know, training people in real life, real things. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, putting on events, like having I'm a coffee shop, physical therapy, like all these different things. And then, then you're teaching, right? Like, and so it, th- that part of it, I think you always have to, because I'm, I mean, this is like a, um, I feel like some of the formulas for success, right? In, in, in industry that you have a, cause it goes back to authority and positioning, right? Like it goes back to the whole thing where, you know, I've, I've, I've met people, no joke, you know, that are like, created like content like legitimate like content machines around training athletes but have 
honestly really never trained at like it's crazy you know what i mean so they may have the knowledge but I'm like all right here's you know this type of baseball team you know and they're high school all right cool here's a uh, three pro guys all right here's a vet though man he's had this issue this issue go and they're like uh, uh, i don't uh, fuck right you can, and, and so yeah. that that's my my point of it is like you never like if you do things in real the real world you'll never run out of content yeah. you know period um and actually that's uh, good question for michael right here um because like how much do you get i, I really am interested into like how much communication do you get through obviously you're doing so many live courses which i love and so you're getting that feedback from those courses i'd love to hear what people are saying but also like through you know email media channels stuff like that um do you get a ton of feedback that that drives that that drives the content that you create, mm. uh, the education that you put out. I, I'd love because it's very different, right? Yeah. Like maybe like how I get that versus how you get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested. Hundred percent. So, the first course we taught was in April of 21. So it's now September 22, and we've taught this course over 50 times since then. And the course you will see tomorrow is much different than the course I taught first because I think feedback is such an important thing that we make it like the post course email. The number one thing I'm asking is tell me what we can do better. Mm -hmm. And I review that. And when my instructors teach it, like we have, we have a course in Houston tomorrow that one of my instructors is teaching um, and we'll get feedback from it. And every week we let a week go by and then we go over this feedback. What did they say? We ask specifically a question. What did you like least about it? Which like fishes people. And if I start to see a trend of multiple people saying the same thing, mm -hmm. we're changing it. We're changing yeah. it because we it's it's you can hide behind all the marketing in the world. But if the product is not the best it could be and that's fluid, it's always changing. The product's always changing because times change. What people want changes. Um, so that's the way we look at it. So we, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time making sure that's part of the reason why we took July and August off of teaching mm -hmm. because we revamped it. This is the first course tomorrow that I'm teaching that is a slightly tweaked and updated nice. manual based on the feedback we got. Cool. And the feedback we got was we want more activity. We want more movement. So we backed down on the lecture. We mm -hmm. added more hands-on stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, I think it's super important because the product quality of it is the the cornerstone. I mean, I think there's a testament to, you know, feedback. Um, I, I think feedback is like, and I, I like, I can sit here and say, I'm still not great at getting feedback. Like, oh, at, no, I, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm good at it. I, I became good at it, but I'm not great at it because I think that you should not just, I think you should hunt for feedback yeah. versus then like, you know, be open to feed, being open to feedback versus hunting for feedback. Yeah. There are two very different things. It's like, oh, if you got something to say, I'll take it. Versus like, hey, tell me the, tell me the shitty stuff, right? Yeah. But that's the stuff that makes you better. Like that's courage, right? Sure. Because there, it's a testament. And I was saying too, like right now, it's like a weird, wacky space on you know, for courses, uh, uh, live courses, right? It's been very roller coasterish to everybody I talk to in the industry that's doing stuff. Um, but, you know, to have 40 people, you know, come to a live event right now, I think it's a testament to, you know, the, obviously the, the, the course. And I'm sure that people are like, yeah, this is this is good shit. And on top of that, you're you're getting feedback and going like, how can we make it better? How yeah. can we make it better? And and that's you know, I think that's a lesson on um, for forever. For any, this is so interesting that um, a, a couple of I would say trainers that are because in Slovenia, I did a workshop that it, I kind of 
pulled together like real quick in 10 days I announced it and we had um, 15 people show up from all over which was cool from Germany Czechoslovakia Serbia all parts of Slovenia and but what was really cool is like they were from 21 to 27 years old uh, there's there's a couple there's only a couple that were like over 30 and I was like I was like hey I, I was like I love this guys that you guys are here and you know, the, um, man, I, was like, I think I lost my train of thought there, damn it. But, uh, <laughs> never seen it yet. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's never happened for no, 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 I'll, I'll, no, I'll whip it around for sure. But the, my, my point being was that like, you know, when, um, damn, I really have lost my train of thought. This is crazy. Is it, I need to the, sip the on younger, some more C4. The younger people being there versus the older oh, people being yes. there, of course. I see, that was great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that, uh, a couple of people were like, well, you know, I, they were talking about getting to this point. Like, oh, I want to get to a point where like, I know this. And I said, listen, like you'll never get to the point. That's the magic. The magic is mm -hmm. that if you feel like you're at a point where it's like, I got it. Like that's the beginning and the end. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm like, do you, I'm like, currently I feel so fucking dumb. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it, I like, seriously, every day I'm like going through stuff, I'm learning and I'm like, and I, I, don't don't get this twisted. Like I'm very confident in my skill set, extremely confident in my skill set. But I'm just like, oh, I gotta get better at this. And like, am I doing this well? Should I be, you know, doing this better? You should be in that phase of curiosity um, forever, right? And and you can. And I, I was like, look, I'm I'm telling you this right now. Like, be careful about getting to this space where, you know, you learn a lot and you get good results. Like, you know, you're like, you 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 figured out a system. It's working. It's great. Like you've built your name up, your position, you have authority. Mm -hmm. I'm like, be careful to to never ever get to this place where you're like, ha ha, you know, I'm the Don Dada. Like I'm good. Don't ever get there. Like that's I, I think the beginning of the end. And um, you know, having a value of curiosity, I think, is one of those things that will help you. You know, where you're like childlike curiosity. I'm like, I'm I'm in this, you know, going on 20 years right now, 16 years of gym ownership. And, you know, I mean, this last week I was, I was, you know, I have to drop some books because if I don't drop books, uh, nothing happened. But um, Keith J. Cunningham, another one of my, you know, I dropped two of my favorite business books here. One was Danny Meyer one and second one is The Road Less Stupid. Okay. Now I'll tell you straight up, I have anxiety sometimes reading the book because I've read it now like, you know, four or five times because every time I read through it, I'm faced with all the shit that I'm not doing good, yeah. right? Or like things mm -hmm. that aren't good in the business. And I'm like, cause he, at the end of every chapter, he has these thinking questions and I read through them. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like at the end of the book, yeah. I have all these notes, but also I'm like, I suck, you know? And, and I say that with, you know, obviously with some humor, but it pushes me to be like, man, we could be doing this better, doing this better. Let's go. You know? And I, I think you really need that both in, in, I think you need that on every in every aspect. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, "Holy shit, I don't work on my, you know, building uh, trust through communication and empathy and compassion and all these different things, right?" Well, man, I'm not creating content to build positioning authority. Good. Like, if you feel uncomfortable, good. Like, that should be a wake up call and work. Like, maybe don't you know, don't do everything, but pick one thing that you want to get better at and then start working on it and start doing it. And again, like, keep that curiosity for forever you know and and that will be one of the things that will help you be successful and continue to be successful and and um and have meaning with what you do yeah. love it yep. comfort is an illusion yeah. oh yeah absolutely and it's i mean and, and too like i i feel like you should get uncomfortable like you should get uncomfortable the moment you feel comfort 
And I, I know we got to I got to we got to wrap this up. But I want to hey, uh, Michael, I want to make sure that um, again, like I'm, you know, I'm going to be learning this weekend. But for everybody that wants to know uh, where can they find out more about you, more about the the course, uh, you know, following you on the social channels, uh, drop drop the you know drop the info so they can they can go there. Let's do it. Yeah. So the best place you can find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Super simple handle at Barbell Rehab and all the Great information, name. all the information about our courses, barbellrehab.com. There so we go. Appreciate you guys having yeah. me on. So if you're a coach, if you're actually if you're a PT, make sure. You get out to the Barbell Rehab uh, courses, you will definitely uh, be happy that you did and be a better coach. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about, uh, I would say, communication there, too. So yep. there you go. And for a hey, because, I mean, listen, we're, we're doing a lot of collab uh, podcasts, but still, nonetheless, we're going to find out more about you guys. HighDefPT.com at HighDefPT. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure we'll do some more podcasts. Oh, absolutely. Too, so. uh, <laughs> yep. Nice to nice talk. And, and hey, and it's like, uh, hey, welcome back to the Vigor Life podcast, mm. my friends. And uh, you know what? For, I'm, I'm not going to. We went five years straight doing it. Um, you know, the reasons for me dropping off are, are, are many. Um, some of it was personal things, but uh, period. Like we're going to the consistency of once a week is my goal. Uh, I'm going to do some solo ones, a, a lot of guests. But make sure. Hey, listen, if you're listening to this, you love it. Uh, if you haven't listened to the past 130 episodes, go back and listen to them. I uh, would love if you go to iTunes, leave it a review, uh, five-star review, of course, but um, honest review. Really appreciate that. But with that said, we'll see you in the next episode. Love and appreciate you guys and peace out.